Serve Alper and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, as he is most weeks, is a contributor to CBS Sports Eye on Baseball and author of two books, one of them decent, Dane Perry. In what follows, the listener will take a tour, not so much of wrestling in the 1980s, so much as Dane Perry's memories of wrestling in the 1980s. Like an erotic encounter with Perry himself, it is frequently confusing, not entirely pleasant, and is full both of weeping and apologies. And yet in saying that, I feel as though I've already said too much. So without further delay, I bring you to this, my conversation with Dane Perry on Fangraphs Audio right now. which apparently I was, was watching uh, a um, on TBS a promotion called Georgia Championship Wrestling. Oh, Gordon Soley, the Walter Cronkite of wrestling. <laughs> is it, did you just make that up, or is that a thing that he... <laughs> that Gordon Soley, his face is a crimson mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gordon Soley, uh, one of my early journalistic heroes. He was he was the, the the host of the program. Yes, yes, yes. He was. He uh, he contained multitudes, as we say. Yeah. He uh, yeah. So yeah. I did not realize his face is a crimson mask. I did not realize um, because so in, in this I think it it's the sort of strange effect of TBS. Now, how, wait, how, hold on a second. Oh, okay, so you caught it on TBS back when it was a superstation. And, okay, I was wondering how you watched Georgia Championship Wrestling. Now, how did you consume Georgia Championship Wrestling? Besides, well, we besides eagerly. Uh, <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> like a starving man, I consumed it. Um, we didn't get it in my hometown because uh, we had, like, rabbit ear antennas and we didn't get, like, actual channels. But... We would spend summers with my grandparents in Alabama, and they picked up Georgia Championship Wrestling, and I got to see many a crimson mask. <laughs> the um, um, yeah, it, right. Well, it, of course, TBS was, um, yeah, TBS was broadcast nationally. It was, it was a cable channel, early right cable yeah. channel. That's how I yeah. saw it. And I, didn't, I, I didn't realize that it had that sort of reach back in those early superstition days. Well, that's the strange thing, right? Because this happened with baseball too. Is that these um, otherwise like regional interests uh, um, mm-hmm. were broadcast into the homes of every American, or at least every American who owned who owned cable television. Um, yeah. So therefore, yeah. Um, you know, you know, I, I've certainly noticed that fans, uh, baseball fans, my age. If they did not grow up with a very obvious team allegiance, would at yeah, some I'm, level be Braves right. fans? Yeah, it's, it's sort of a virus. Yeah. Right, and then um, and then in addition to that, we have Georgia. Again, I did not know that the promotion was called Georgia Championship Wrestling. Um, yes, that was the show. Yeah, but it, I remember. Was it on daily? Uh, I want to say Saturdays. I don't think it was on daily. They probably showed older episodes. Uh, you know, they re-ran those, but uh, the uh, the new ones, I think, were every Saturday. Uh, 
Most kids thought of Saturday as a day for cartoons. No, 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 you little shits. It was a day for wrestling. Wait. Let me just establish You're addressing them at this moment. Yes, I am. I'm addressing, yes. uh, I don't even know if they show wrestling on Saturday afternoons. I think it's like a night, weeknight thing now. But it's not really really what it used to be. It was important to your youth. (laughs) Oh, God, was it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, yeah. I mean, what, besides Gordon Soley, or maybe Gordon Soley was it, was it, uh, or was it the entire, was it the entire package thing? Well, I got to see, I, I, I grew up watching Mid-South Championship Wrestling. Mid, sorry, all right, <laughs> let's, dog. yeah, Mid-South Championship Wrestling. Mid-South Championship Wrestling, yeah. With Jim Jones. Ross posted, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh. Let's see what it, uh, the Freebirds uh, sort of came out of that wrestling circuit. Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes. Uh, no one really, really knew what the P.S. stood for, but we could guess, you know. Um, Terry Bam Bam Gordy was also a Freebird. Buddy Roberts. Uh, yeah, it's a couple of my favorites were uh, the Grappler, the Masked Grappler, because he had what they would call an orthopedic boot. And what he would do was he would kick the boot into the ground while the referee wasn't looking because apparently this is illegal. And that was called loading his orthopedic boot, which put extra power and force into his kicks. He would legally kick his opponent with the loaded orthopedic boot. He would load the boot. He loaded the boot by kicking it into the ground. It was a, a... Sinister that was. This is a ritual. That would somehow transmute. Well, it, was, it was a way, the way of cheating, because he had this orthopedic boot. Yes. And like all orthopedic boots, if you kick it into the ground, it becomes a superpower weapon. <laughs> and he used it to vanquish good guys. So he was. Well, he thought the referee was none the wiser. And his name, sorry, this this wrestler's name. The Grappler. The Grappler, and he the is grappler. what I think you would call a heel. Is that right? A heel? A heel? Oh, yeah, as in, like, like a bad guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was a bad guy, yeah. He, he was, was there to... Yeah. He was there to receive the, the derision of the of the fans. Yes, yes, yes. Usually, like... Like, the, the villains were usually either, like, masked guys who cheated, or, like, foreigners. <laughs> to, you know, designed to... To prick up our jingoist urges, you know? Effeminate like French mannerisms. You always have like a couple of Russians and an Iranian. Oh, right, There's I forgot. One. Yeah, yeah, Russians. We didn't like Russians at all, did we? We still. Yeah, yeah. you know, Russia sucks bumper stickers and all that, yeah. Um, yeah, you always had like, you know, Ivan Koloff or uh, uh, the Khrushchev brothers. Um, yeah, so, you know, the evil Russians. You had the Iron Sheik. Who's a Twitter phenomenon these days? Wait, all right. So uh, wait, wait. So so now some of the names I recognize, I think from the WWF promotion of the mid '80s. You mentioned Junkyard Dog. I was an NWA guy, but go ahead. Yeah. You were, but all right. So Junkyard Dog, he moved over to WWF at some point. Yeah, this is when things fell apart. This is when it lost me. Yeah. This is when it lost you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were a fan. The rise of the WWF was was when I started uh, losing interest. Okay, so your so your your main promotion was Mid South, and then on Sunday nights I could watch. Uh, uh, I don't remember the name of the circuit, but it was out of Dallas. 
the world-famous Sportatorium in Dallas, they would say. And uh, I could see that on Sunday nights. And the theme song was... That was the theme song. <laughs> and I could see that on Sunday nights with guys like Iceman King Parsons, uh, Gentleman Chris Adams, uh, Coco Beware, uh, uh, guys like that, yeah. Iceman uh, King Parsons. Iceman King Parsons, yes. Uh, I believe he had uh, uh, kind of like a Latrell Sprewell haircut before that was a thing, and it was uh, it was quite the hit. Now he <laughs> no, that was not that was not NWA. Uh, I don't know if that was loosely affiliated with NWA or if that was some sort of independent circuit. I think it might have been an independent circuit. Wow. So, so if, if you, you listen close to the music, you'll get that kind of independent, you know, I cannot be reined in milieu from it, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess what I didn't understand was how many different promotions there were. Because as you noted, or as we There were a lot, yeah. The Georgia, uh, Georgia was, Championship. Uh, uh, Mid South Championship, Mid South. I, I cannot remember what the text what the Dallason was called. But there's also one on a Mobile, <coughs> Mobile, Alabama, where Gordon Sully got his start, I believe, that I could also watch on uh, on Channel Five. And uh, the Stud Stable, Robert Fuller, uh, and his cohorts uh, were out of there. Uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong and his son Brad Armstrong were out of there. Uh, the a Max Superstar, I believe, was there for a while. A father son pairing. Yeah, Bullet Bob Armstrong and Brad Armstrong. <clears throat> a lot of great father-son pairings. Uh, <clears throat> Blackjack Mulligan and Blackjack Mulligan Jr. Because, <laughs> of course, if your name is Blackjack, <laughs> then the <laughs> only... If your name is Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah, yeah, yeah then the, the only name that makes sense for your son is, <laughs> is the exact same name. And later he was Barry Wyndham without really any explanation, but yeah. Can we and, uh, uh, can we discuss? I the, I, I like these things like the uh, uh, like the the orthopedic boot that you mentioned. Yes. Uh, these these uh, I guess these singular qualities that are sort of like risen to that help the 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 wrestler achieve mythic proportions. Yeah. Uh, it. I mean, it's not really any different. I mean, at some level, then, the sort of characters or weapons you find in, like, World of Warcraft, right? Whereas, like, these... Yeah, well, yeah. I right. mean, I'm, I'm not terribly familiar, but, yeah, everybody has their little thing that they do. Right. Yeah. So so what are some of the... Now, so Junkyard Dog, what was his... Junkyard Dog was just, like, an angry black man? Is that what his... Yeah, he, uh... He, uh... He would, uh... He was a good guy. He's very popular. Okay. And, uh... He would uh, wear a chain around his neck, mm -hmm. which I guess is unfortunate. <laughs> now that you, yeah, yeah. Now that you think of it, yeah. yeah. Funny, funny. But, growing uh, up in Mississippi, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess I just thought it was cool. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> huh. yeah. I apologize to the world for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he had a move called the thump. What was it the thumper? I think it was a thump. But, uh, which essentially was just like running and jumping on someone. And, uh, yeah, he, but he's deliriously popular because he came out to Queens, another one bites the dust. Uh, he was really, uh, you know, uh, he was, 
responsible for introducing me to uh, one of the greatest gay-friendly bands in history. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, to, to this day, to this day, I love Queen because of Junkyard Dog. Right, and of course, Junkyard Dog furthering the cause of uh, yes, 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 yes. LGB uh, yes. furthering the LGBT cause. Uh, very yeah, consciously yes, at yes, that point, did, yeah. at that point in his, in his career. If and, nothing, uh, there was also a uh, on the uh, on the xenophobia front. There was uh, like I said, there's a, you know, it's it's always like the Iranians, the Russians, who are these frightening foreigners. But out of the Mobile circuit, there was Joe Leduc, who horrified me. I actually had dreams about him because he had this like this beard and. Uh, insane eyes and just was just looked really nuts like not even pretending and he was uh his exotic his exotic foreign story was that he was a canadian lumberjack okay and and the thing that strikes me now is that a guy from canada was positioned to be as frightening as like a fake iranian terrorist <laughs> Canada, Canada was as was as far off and menacing as Iran. Too young, and it was Iran back then. It wasn't Iran. Oh yeah, yeah right. To, well, to a to a, yeah. a little southern boy, you don't know. Yes, yeah. you don't yeah. know. You don't know what. Yeah. What scary Joe Leduc, the the exotic Canadian lumberjack. Right, and I've um, I uh, I've illicitly. Uh, Googled that, and apparently, and this is Joe J O S. It appears. Yeah. J O S. J O S. Leduc. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the last name is L E D U C. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I have that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but first name okay. J O S. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, actually, he actually was Canadian. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, he actually Good. was uh, was from Quebec, and uh, I figured he was like from Florida Panhandle or something. No. Yeah. No. He okay. was. Yeah. Also known okay, as uh, also known as Butcher Leduc. Then, oh, I can buy that human human flesh, no doubt. Yeah. Right, and then um, and then the Headbanger, yeah. also known as the Headbanger. The Headbanger. I was yeah. not familiar with that. Okay. And um, um, died young. Oh, well, the wrestler. Yes, that's what right. they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you you should feel free to Google, and this is my favorite name of any wrestler ever. The Mongolian Stomper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Who was? Uh, well, we should mention was, to our uh, listeners at home. The, feel free to Google along. Yeah, feel free to join us on the internet computer. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Now the Mongolian Stomper was positively feral, as you'll see. All right. Yeah. Just, uh, just, just, no rules about him. Uh, curiously, yeah. also from Canada. <laughs> Are you telling me he's not from the wilds of Mongolia? Yeah, that's the, this is the message I'm trying to get across. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Also from Canada, uh, looks like. Um, and again, I I um, invite our our listeners to Google along as we learn things for the first time. Um, which we will then likely f- forget immediately after, or at least I will. Oh, I will not. No, I know you won't. I know you won't. Yeah, he now he appeared. He appeared to participate in in, in no fewer than three uh, 
um, three promotions over the course of his career. Stampede Wrestling. Okay. Southeast Championship Wrestling, which was okay. also known as the NWA Southeast Championship. And then also okay. Smoky All Mountain right. Wrestling, which uh, this is what he joined oh, in his... Oh, that! Wow. In his That's 60s. big name player there. Yes, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He... Um, Indeed, this does not have a link. This this promotion does not have a link on Wikipedia. That'll give you that'll give you some idea. Lost to the ether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my! Oh my! Yeah, he was uh, menacing. Are we talking about the Mongolian stomp? Yeah, and now he just has I don't know what the name for this sort of uniform is. It's not just the it's not just the brief style. Uh, what do you call those things? The shorts that they wear, the brief style shorts. Uh, well, I would imagine something they wear in, in countries that are hostile to U.S. interests. <laughs> yeah, right. Constantly. Uh, no, and now, in, in, no, actually, in a number of his photos, he does, he does have that style. But then he also has a sort with um, the straps c- coming up. Do you know what I mean? The sort of straps that come up. Yeah, yeah, like a, like a. Kind of like a, a unitard type thing. Right, it precisely, yeah. But a modified yeah. unitard. You would probably wouldn't see it on like a Greco-Roman wrestling, but it's a nod to that, it seems like. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right, the Mongolian stopper, yeah. He just has this sort of... I mean, he's bald-headed. Uh, Does he have a, did he have a tuft of hair anywhere? I thought he had a tuft somewhere. Uh, in in Maybe in iterations. Hair. Early versions, it looks like he did. He had yeah. just a closely cropped hair. Um, but okay. I'm looking at a great okay. photo of the Mongolian stopper in which he has high-waisted briefs, high-waisted <laughs> or trunks, you might call them. High-waisted fashions, as you're fond of saying. It does, yeah, high, yeah, and it comes. It it's precisely where his belly button is. It it covers. It reveals. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. It yeah. reveals yeah. half of his belly it, it button. Made, yeah, it made it look like his balls were like attached to his knees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. a little reading. In fact, he, his balls were attached to his knees. It looks like as a uh, as a byproduct, a side effect of um, rampant steroid use. Yeah, I figured it was just from all that stomping. Oh well, yeah, yeah, that will that will will do things to your body. Curious, yes, curious effects. There's one. Now let's see. So, um, and so that's yeah, that's one version. And and the other thing he has is so he has a bald head, and and a, a, a um. Uh, a handlebar mustache that deserves um, an award of some sort, uh, maybe a posthumous Nobel Prize or something for mustaches. It is because the way it accentuates his cheekbone, it appears as though um, they're they're crafted out of marble. His cheekbones. <laughs> yes, I yeah, can buy that. Yeah, <laughs> and that if you were to punch him, your you would be your hand uh, that would come out on the the losing end of that bargain. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. One does not take a swing at the Mongolian stomper. No, and then he also has, he also has, um, a sort of leather, um, leather straps around his uh-huh. wrists. I'd say probably five inches in length, like a leather. It's more than just a strap, though. It's like a bracelet, like a large leather bracelet yeah. on both hands. I don't know what that is. I assume. Um, I, I assume, assume that would be held like in the galley of a ship or something. Right. Yeah. Or um, maybe that's something that all Mongolians have, because um, we know they engage 
they have to draw swords often, and when you're raping yeah. and pillaging, or in his case, yeah. maybe maybe he had no weapon. Yeah. Maybe this is the this is the backstory. The Mongolian stumper had no uh, weapon, was too poor even to afford, um, yeah. <laughs> even a shiv, a common shiv, uh, and would just stomp. He would just stomp people. Yeah, he would stomp. Well, I mean, the foreign hordes, you know, they have to do what they have to do, you know. Right. And now let me tell you, yeah. uh, finally, this is because uh, there's a lot of wrestling that we need to look at still. <laughs> the night is young. Um, <laughs> There's a pretty amazing image, I believe, of him. Um, it this appears to be the Mongolian stomper. Um, and he's next to, I think he's next to Jerry Lawler. Would that make sense? Ah, Jerry Lawler, the king. Yeah. And their yeah. faces, uh, their faces appear to just be covered in blood. Yeah, well, a crimson mask. Yeah. Oh, so oh, so when you say crimson mask, you're not actually like you're not saying like his face is beat red because he was in a headlock or something. No, 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 no. Real it's blood. Well, yeah, they would uh, they would uh, kind of like embed razor blades and bandages on their hands and stuff, and during the course of the match, just kind of slice their foreheads open. Right, and what what we learned also, uh, I mean, th- there was this movie not too long ago, The Wrestler, uh, with uh, yes. Uh, Mickey Rooney, Mickey, Rourke. Mickey, Mickey not Mickey Rooney. Rooney, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would've been a different movie. <laughs> Hi, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're about, Mickey Rooney. Doopy doopy doop. The uh, <laughs> Mickey Rourke, uh, in which they would also sc- had to score their skin a little bit, such that it would break open more easily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same principle. Yeah. yeah. Um, a friend of mine was telling me about a, actually a pretty excellent wrestling documentary. Um, that was released, I think not, uh, I think not too long before the wrestler, the movie, and that the wrestler is sort of in homage to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that I would see. I believe it's called Beyond the Mat. Oh, that I would. That I would. That I might. Would. I think that's what it's called. I think that's what it's called. It might even follow Jake the Snake around. Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, it. Uh, uh, Mick Foley, Terry Funk, and Jake Roberts. Ah, uh, yeah. Terry Funk. Terry Funk was nuts. Who's now? Tell us yeah, about. He was, uh, yeah, let's relive Terry Funk. He, uh, I think it was the 1989 Great American Bash. He and Ric Flair had this match that. And keep in mind, I was 17 by this point, and still watching it. <laughs> you're an adult at this. Yeah. I mean, you're borderline adult. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. No, I, I mean, you could have, uh, at this point, you could have been married legally in Mississippi for five yeah. years. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and no, and I, uh, a summer job I had in high school, I worked for like this salvage center where our job was essentially to, like, clean up merchandise from disaster sites that got sent to this place and resell it. Like, you know, you get stuff from like mudslides and floods and fires and stuff oh god wait was that sounds potentially harrowing uh i mean you never found like a limb or anything no no we found bizarre stuff but not never any body parts or anything no but uh uh one thing that came in was like this little tiny toy wrestling ring with uh action figures in it and it was very cool. Uh, so I 
uh, stuck this out by the dumpster behind the service entrance and picked it up after my shift. And I was 16 at this point. And I took it home, and I called my buddy, uh, who was a year older, who was equally obsessed with wrestling, and he came over, we went in our room and shut the door and played with it. <laughs> we, we were well into high school. You had, you, you had, um, the, you had characters. Um, yeah, yeah, like action figures. Action yeah, figures. Yeah, yeah, but it had like you know it had a Ric Flair, and we were all obsessed with Ric Flair and uh, guys like that. The ring actually, like there was actually tension in the ropes, and you could do moves off them and stuff. Okay. And uh, yeah. And uh, we, you know, my parents probably thought we were, you know, making plans to purchase street drugs or something with our door shut, you know. But no, we were. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. That's yeah. not what's happening. Don't worry. Worry, worry on another level, but not that one. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, but anyway, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, the Great American Bash, uh, 89. main event was Flair, Funk. And... It involved like uh, uh, at one point a uh, a uh, oh, what's the word I'm trying to think of a, a branding iron appeared, okay. and and it was at this point I truly believe it was out of hand and off script at this point, and this is just two men who hated each other, and th- I mean it was just savage felonious assault on both sides, just beating each other with this thing, and I truly believe it was it was no longer fake at that point, and it was. Crimson masks abounded, mayhem, violence, and it was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. and you witnessed this. You could see like it, I think you'd see like actually like pus and pulp and mixed in with the blood and the faces. And you enjoyed it? Not just blood. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I I I only have I mean so I would watch a lot of the TBS. Wrestling, which I assume is now Georgia Championship. Um, I had a, um, um, I was what you referred to as a latchkey kid, a latchkey kid. Uh, I would come uh-huh. home um, in, um, to the house and it was empty. Uh, but my neighbor Mark, who is five years older than me, uh, he would watch me for the uh-huh. first couple hours till my mom came home. Um, I was like eight, eight or nine or ten or something like this, and uh, we would watch uh-huh. wrestling. We would watch a lot of wrestling, um, and he would periodically beat me up, but. Mostly, we'd watch wrestling. You'd get inspired by the wrestling. Yeah, yeah. He would say, "Lay well, said, no, Carson. Let me, um, let me just try this move on you." It's like, mm, maybe, maybe I'm not comfortable with that. And um, it wasn't really, a, it wasn't really a question he was asking. It was more, <laughs> I'm going to attempt the figure four leg lock. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, well, what I, uh, what I do remember though was my father took me to. Stop me if I've said this before. He took me to a pay-per-view showing at, a, at an area theater in Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, they had the uh-huh. pay-per-view um, telecast of WrestleMania Five. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I do remember. I remember a couple things. One of which was uh, from WrestleMania. I believe is WrestleMania Five. One of which was um, Ted DB uh, Ted DiBiase, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Uh, uh-huh. Losing to Macho Man Randy Savage, who I believe ended up in the finals of that. Uh-huh. Uh, the other thing I remember pretty vividly is that that's the day that I learned the word condom. 
Um, I don't okay, remember. Right. I don't remember the precise context, but I do know that someone had brought a sign. I don't understand why someone had brought a sign to the uh, Concord Theater. Um, you know, like you would hold up at a baseball game or any other sort of right. athletic event. To what end? I don't know. Uh, I had a little yeah. bit of sign. It was like informing one of the wrestlers, I believe, that he should have used a condom. Okay. Or maybe that his parents should have used a condom. Uh, yeah, I would assume his parents, yeah. 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 And yeah. the sign, I think, it was belonged to someone in the upper balcony, fell to the lower uh, balcony into the aisle where I was with my dad. And uh, I saw oh, that wow. word. I saw that word. I said, Dad, I said, Dad, what's a condom? Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Did he say, just watch the match, son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just watch, just watch. Just to just to take it all in, young. <laughs> my young man. No, he said that's. He said it's what I should have used. <laughs> that's what he told me. That's what he told yeah, me, and yeah. he left me there. And um, yeah, and then then. That's the last time. I, that's the last time I saw him. <laughs> that's. It. You're still there. Yeah. Yep, I am. Yeah, yeah. broadcasting yeah. from the from the years yeah. defunct. Concord Theater in glorious downtown Concord, New Hampshire. Um, no, that's actually that's actually that, that's I mean no one cares about this, but this is a it's an old theater and was and was beautiful, and I think it was active in uh-huh. like you know the 30s and 40s sort of you know, uh-huh. um, and was popular at the time, um, but it is now. You, um, it has looked precisely the same from the outside, and I don't know the inside because it's been closed. For 20 uh, years, easily, yeah. Uh, uh, it has been out of commission for a long time. It's just sad, just sitting in the in that downtown strip of my hometown, just just only there to make people sad. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. That appears to be. It's like it, it's like kind of it's like a relative of a national historic landmark, but it's it's not there uh-huh. to enrich the city. It's there. It's right. like oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Were you a little optimistic? Were you optimistic momentarily about the future? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So that's what I that's sort of what, like what I remember. Yeah. Now, Dane, did, I don't know if you um, if you were able to read the Roland Barthes essay on wrestling. Did you get to that? Uh, I received that too late to read it. No, that's fine. Uh, don't worry about it. But I did want to recount for you, uh, Roland Barthes uh, in his book. I guess Roland Barthes what um, cultural. Uh, cultural critic at some point. I mean, at some level, he, he wrote um, one of his most famous texts is Mythologies, in which I guess he sort of looks at the meaning of certain signs in um, uh, in context that we you know we would regard as all too familiar. And one of them is wrestling, um, for which he it should be said has a great deal or appears appears to derive a great deal of joy from. Um, uh, as he should. Yeah, right. As he should. Um, and, he, and he essentially looks at it as, um, you know, as the modern, like the, our modern version of Greek tragedy. Um, and that, um, and it has the advantage of what, um, one interesting thing he, he knows is that when you see a character, when you see a character, you basically, um, um, all you're waiting for at that point is for him to act out his role. The roles are, are rather well defined. I guess, like, like you're saying, people love Junkyard Dog, um, but meanwhile, right. Um, if you see a heel come in, you know precisely how he's gonna how he's gonna behave. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what I wanted to note um, was uh, three things that I think that uh, both you, Dane, and also the reader at home would enjoy uh, would enjoy yes. uh, from this essay. Um, uh, one of them, these are just brief excerpts uh, from Roland Barthes' um, essay. That I think it's called The World of Wrestling uh, in his book Mythologies. Uh, Barthes writes, wrestling is a sum of spectacles of which no single one is a function. Each moment imposes the total knowledge of a passion which rises erect and alone without, <laughs> without ever extending to the crowning moment of a result. But I, this had the words of passion rising erect and alone, um, Dane. And um, it reminded me of you a little bit because erect and alone, I think, is maybe how you spend most of your days. Oh! <laughs> my, uh, my default setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Erect and alone. <laughs> the Dane Perry story. Uh, we, might, we might have a, uh, a meme there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is this one too. Um, in this part, Bart is talking about how um, the thing that uh, the, the sort of joy we derive from um, wrestling, um, probably the, the most singular joy, is is that of sort of uh, is that of justice. Justice is constantly reoccurring. We have the heel. The heel misbehaves. He breaks the rules, and then at, you know somewhere though the hero um, makes the the heel pay for his uh, transgressions. Right. Yes. Um, yes. But Bart's writes that occasionally you need to have a fight. He says about one out of every five. You need to have a fight that's just like very fairly played, has all of the sort of signs of, of fairness, and then just ends and that's it. Right. Yeah. To sort of go back to create a baseline from uh, you know from from which the other matches can can take off. Um, so in discussing these sort of fair these fair matches, Bart's writes. It surprises the aficionado, uh, the aficionado, who greets it when he sees it as an anachronism and a rather sentimental throwback to the sporting tradition. You know, aren't they playing fair, those two? Yeah. He feels suddenly moved at the sight of the general kindness of the world, but would probably die of boredom and indifference if wrestlers did not quickly return to the orgy of evil. Of evil to, sorry, let me read that again because it's great. If the wrestlers did not quickly return to the orgy of evil, which alone makes good wrestling. <laughs> orgy of evil. A sequel to the Dane Perry story, the Dane Perry biopic, Erect and Alone. Yeah. Yeah. One man orgy of evil. Yeah. 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 One, yeah. All by himself. Oh yeah, alone. Yeah, I can have an orgy all by myself. That's that's the, that's Dane Perry in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, well, and speaking of orgy of evil, I would uh, I would encourage the listener to Google uh, scaffold matches. Um, this was a uh, uh, pretty absurd thing that would happen time to time when a feud between two wrestlers just utterly reached the point of no return. And you had to have an end game of some kind. They would have uh, a match, a scaffold match, which really, you know, if I recall correctly, it looked like a hospital gurney, like suspended 20 feet above the ring, and they would fight on that gurney, and one would fall off eventually. And at that point, it would be over. 
and it would uh it looked in i mean that was a long long fall onto a very hard mat and it looked insane and occasionally you would have a feud reach that point to where you know one imagines the organizers and the promoters simply going if you two can't settle this we will have a scaffold match yeah and at that point they did yeah but uh, there's going to be some images of it, but it's just nuts. How it's nuts now, that they did that? Um, how how high did you say, or how big is the thing? I, it, you know, I, I'm I'm ba- I'm going off you know my nine year old memory or whatever, but it looked incredibly high, like twenty feet above the ring, I would guess. And how big was the thing? Here, I um. Not big. Not don't, big. Don't worry, I'm don't worry, I'm googling this. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't. It might make scaffolding match might turn yeah. up, but I think it was yeah. scaffolding. No, I see it. Yeah, I see it. Oh, okay. God, yeah. there's a gentleman here. Yeah. Yeah, and you inevitably have, like, you know, cliff-hanging moments, like guy hanging off of it like a cliff. Yeah. Right. You know, and the guy's stomping on his fingers, trying to get him to drop and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Kind of rather insane. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. uh, that's dark. Or GV, what you might even call it. Yeah. What'd you call it, sorry? Orgy of Evil. Orgy of Evil, you might even call it. Yeah. 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 Um, um, now, listen, uh, Danny, before we go, though, I did want to uh, recap for you, because I only um, cited the two passages there. Um, yeah. There's this third one, though. The third. Uh, it's a pretty um, detailed description of, of the role of the heel, or the villain. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy calling it the heel. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, and I could not um, get out of my. You remember when I read you that that poem by Horace not too long ago, and I told you yes, how. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what was it? The. Uh, the team. The there was something. The teaming mass. Vulgar massive, crowd or whatever. Yeah. Right. The vulgar crowd. And I said how you came to mind. Yes. Uh-huh. This. Uh, this maybe this took the cake. Um. Yeah, he's uh, um, Bart's is discussing a uh, a heel named Tovan, a 50-year-old uh-huh. with an obese and sagging body, whose type of asexual hideousness always inspires <laughs> <laughs> inspires feminine nicknames and displays in his flesh. He displays in his flesh the characters of baseness. Yeah, for his part is to represent in, what in the classical concept of the uh, some word is the bastard. Yeah, he is organically repugnant, Dane. The nausea voluntarily provoked by Tovan shows, therefore, a very extended use of signs. Yeah, so you see, like physically, um, physically. You know what to expect from him mor- morally. Do you know what I mean? His physical. What was it? A- asexual baseness. What did he say? Um, yeah, there's what a couple. Obese and sagging. Asexual hideousness. <laughs> yeah. Asexual hideousness. Right, and then uh, and organically repugnant. Yes. Right. Right. That's right. Lovely. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. discussing the bastard later, he said he's essentially. Someone who's unstable, who accepts the rules only when they are useful to him and transgresses the formal continuity of attitudes. He's unpredictable and therefore asocial. It goes on and on, but essentially like he follows the rules when it suits him and then he transgresses them also when it suits him. And the uh, the fans, 
Um, it says defense this inconsistency far more than treachery or cruelty sends the audience besides itself uh, with rage with rage yeah so I was thinking yeah asexual hideousness in his flesh the very characters of basis organically repugnant yeah this kind of describes the reactions of the Memphis crowd to the, uh, you know, Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman feuds. Right, and those were. Do you, do you have a base, uh, an approximate year on those? Uh, I would guess mid '80s, maybe. Mid '80s, yeah, right. And Lawler now, Lawler was a favorite among su- Southern wrestling fans. Oh yeah, he's he's uh, he he could have been mayor of Memphis at one point, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and and do you know what uh, promotion he wrestled in? Uh, what was the Memphis circuit called? It called Mid South, Mid South Championship Wrestling, something like that. No, that was no, that was the one. Was well, that was the one you mentioned. I, again, I could I could just Google this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so I can't remember what the Memphis circuit was called. And so what was so so the idea was Andy Kaufman went down there, and and he fought Jerry Lawler, who at some level was the embodiment of this region. Um, yeah, and and Andy, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of the footage, but he was like, pretty much every comment he would make to the crowd would be like, "I'm from Hollywood," uh, yeah. and it would just you know get everybody in a it just in a frothy, just just blind rage over you know this Hollywood elite coming down here to insult the people of Memphis. You know? Right. Yeah. Now. <sighs> yeah. Oh, he was in the AWA at one point. It looks like. Yeah, I believe he was with. Uh, the likes of uh, Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah. Nick Bockwinkle, the famous. Yeah, uh, he won the AWA International Champion. This is international. AWA International, Dane. This is not merely oh, okay, okay. a continental okay. award. This is... Uh, uh, I, think, I think the great Bruno Sammartino was in uh, AWA. Okay. Um, and then he won... Yeah. He also won the NWA Mid-America Championship. Um, okay. And then... Um, this is Jerry Lawler we're talking about. This is Jerry Lawler, right? Uh, he okay. he also won the AWA World Heavyweight Championship from Kurt Hennig. Oh, Kurt Hennig, Kurt Hennig Senior. Oh, okay, right. And then because the younger Hennig was Mr. Perfect, right? Yeah, Mr. Perfect was his son. Yeah. Oh no, no, sorry. Uh, Kurt Hennig and Mr. Yeah, Perfect Mr. are one and the same. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kurt, there was a Kurt Hennig Senior. Okay, yeah, it wasn't him though. It was he beat Mr. Perfect. Oh, okay, 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 all right. And yeah, that was later. Well, that's um, strange. I didn't realize they were contemporaries. I didn't realize they wrestled at the same time. I figured law was before him. No, yeah. uh, no. Yeah, no, uh, Mr. Perfect was uh, born in 58. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. okay, that's older than I thought. Okay. Died young. Yeah. I'm assuming he's dead, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, died young. Yeah. Of what? Um, it Actually, I, I had been reading um, this earlier. I had been reading his page earlier. It was a... Uh, a, a cocktail, okay. Uh, Mr. Perfect died of a cocktail of cocaine, uh, steroids, okay. and painkillers. Yeah, the old okay. triple, the yeah. old triple threat. Okay. Yeah. Cocaine, huh. steroids, and painkillers. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The old, uh, the old uh, bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it did not. Have, it did not amuse his liver. It turns out. Yeah, just as Boosh. 
Anyway, yeah. Is Austin Idol still living? Uh, that's one of the people that he beat that uh, we were just talking really? about. Um, okay. Jerry Lawler beat Austin Idol in, for the AWA International Championship. Austin Idol was one of my early favorite bad guys because of the Las Vegas leg lock. Now, what was the last, What was that? Uh, it was like it was basically a figure four leg lock with some sort of flair put to it, which I'm not sure what it what it was, but I remember thinking it was a cool move. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Austin Idol was kind of the uh, an earlier Nature Boy prototype with the long blonde hair and the uh, you know talked about the ladies he conquered. Right, and in yeah. fact, uh, it, Universal. He might have even had flowing robes. You know. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was not, you know, limousine riding, jet plane flying, snap my fingers, get any girl in the world like Ric Flair. But he was an early prototype of that. Ric Flair was he considered a villain? Uh, for most of his career, yes. Okay. Yes. Frequenter of the Four Horsemen alignment. With uh, also with whom? Rider of limousines, flyer of planes, snapper of fingers to get any woman in the world. Who 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 joined him in the Four Horsemen? Uh, it, it did a lot of moving parts. The Anderson brothers uh, were fixtures. Barry Windham, uh, or you might know him as Blackjack Mulligan Jr. Uh, wait, sorry, wait. Can Lex- you can you clear something up for me? Who was uh, Blackjack yes. Mulligan um, Jr.? What was his father's name? Blackjack Mulligan Sr. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might know them as the Mulligan Men. <laughs> I might. They're in the phone book, I think. I might not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Where, wherever Irish cowboys dwell, that's where you can find them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, listen, Dane. Uh, it's been this has been a pleasure, it, wide ranging, but occasionally ecstatic. I would say. Not, not much in this world makes me happy. Uh-huh. Talking about professional wrestling makes me happy. Your recall of some of the the I mean of, not, of many of the characters is is rather impressive. I, they they seem to have left a mark on you that can only be described as indelible. This is this is a mind put to great use. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. What? No. When yeah. did you sort of lose the thread for wrestling? Probably when the WWF really took over. Um, I would say I was in the college by the time I got over it. Yeah. Yeah. What didn't you care for and, with, uh, with regard to, because it was too dominant? Because you would see, like, back in the, uh, and this could be, you know, get off my lawn talk, but back in my day, uh, you'd watch, like, some of these hour-long matches between Ric Flair and Rick Steamboat that would entail like pretty amazing feats of athleticism like flips and stuff and and just incredible like gymnastic type moves and then like WF kind of became more of like theater leading up to the match and then like you know fake punches and leg drops and all this boring stuff and uh it changed for me Carson something died so, so something perhaps died. more attention was and the WWF was focused on like character development outside of the ring, as opposed to actual wrestling ability. That's that's my that's my half-assed uh, characterization of it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I would I would encourage the, uh, the reader to go on uh, YouTube and see if you can find a good Rick Steamboat Ric Flair match. And you marvel, you marvel at athletes in action. 
Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, and well, I guess we'll leave the listeners with that. Um, your and you should also Google. Uh, you should also uh, try to find uh, example of Mr. Wrestling Number Two Smoker's Cough. So say it one more again, slightly more sl- slowly. Mr. Wrestling Number Two had a had a championship smoker's cough, <laughs> and you should try to find like he would try to get like a fiery speech and have to like hack away for a while <laughs> and then resume talking. Oh man, nothing says yeah. class like that. <laughs> like a masked wrestler with a smoker's cough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess get off the podcast, Dane. It was a pleasure to talk to you about this, and you can stay. Um, I can't well, stop. I can't stop. Well, you're gonna have to continue it off the podcast. We'll we'll have some adult no, conversation uh, immediately uh, off air, though. But uh, thanks thanks for regaling us with your uh, personal memories of, of wrestling from, I guess, late 70s, early 80s. The pleasure has been absolutely all mine. It seems as though it has. That has been um, the, the much-pleased Dane Perry. I am and will continue to be Carson Sestouli. And this has been Fangraphs Audio.